Joshua 3, 1-6 Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out for Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levites and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass, it up, and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time of worship, a time to sing praises to you, to pray to you, to celebrate the Lord's Supper and the remembrance of how amazing you are and, uh, and the amazing things you have done for us. Lord, we come here to worship you, to listen to your word, to uh, offer praise and worship. And Lord, we pray that this time will be a time where we are shaped and formed more and more into the people you're calling us to be. Lord, I pray now that the words which will be spoken, Lord, may they be your words and not mine. Amen. Ah, cadets, it's great to see you all here uh, on a Sunday morning. And I will say you smell a lot better than you did yesterday. For those of you who don't know, we had a cadet snow derby yesterday, so uh, on the way home, you smelled a whole lot different than you did on the way there, but, uh, but that's good. You're here with your families, and you're here with friends, and it's Cadet Sunday, and this is a, a special Sunday where we get to share uh, some of the things we're doing and learning and thinking about God and who God is and who we are. I love how, uh, how Counselor Ben said, you know what, this is all about facing black spots, but black spots have all these colors, and colors are exciting and amazing and show all the different ways that God's at work. And we're going to be talking about an amazing God and amazing things this morning. I love that we can, we can take a Sunday where, you know what, we can just say, God, there is nothing more amazing than who you are. And we're just going to reflect on what kind of an amazing God you are and the kind of amazing things that you do, which is so cool. So the people of Israel, as was read in the Bible, they're getting ready to cross into the promised land and, and they're all getting geared up and everything else and, and they're excited and they're scared and they're nervous and, and they're going, oh, I wonder what lies ahead. And, and they're trusting God, they're trusting Joshua, they're trusting Caleb and, and the leaders and, and they're trusting that God has been with them for 40 years while they were wandering and, and now they're finally going to have a place to call home. And they're, and they're just going, whoa. But, but there's a Jordan River there. 
Now, the Jordan River is a really wide river in some places, and where Jericho is, where they were going to cross, it was really wide. But it was also the flood season. So we see a nice calm uh, Jordan River there, and it's, it's wide, but, but it was even wider. And the water would come rushing down the river. And, and the people are looking at this river, and they're going, really? Like, how are we going to get across here? We ain't got a bridge. We ain't got cars. All we got is, like, feet, and we got some donkeys. But we got a whole lot of sheep and goats and everything else. How are we going to... How is... How is our moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas going to get across? I, I, I don't know how this is going to happen. Like, we're just kind of going, oh, I don't know. But Joshua says, you know what? Consecrate yourselves. Because tomorrow God's going to do amazing things. Do you remember what the word consecrate means? Because we say it as part of our code. The cadet is reverent, obedient, compassionate, consecrated. So what does it mean to be consecrated? Counselor Ben mentioned it. Do you remember? I know we memorize these things. We concentrate so much on memorizing so we don't forget the words. But sometimes, and that's why we're going through all these words of our code for our devotions at cadets this year. So cadet, consecrated means to, to get yourself ready to do God's stuff. It means to, to wash yourselves, to clean yourselves in your heart and in your soul and in your mind. So the Israelites, you know, to get ready for what God's going to do, they spent the whole afternoon, the rest of the day and, and night, and they washed all their clothes that they're wearing. And then they all prayed together, God, please wash us inside as well. Because they didn't want any of the black spots, because they couldn't see the but they didn't want the black spots of sin uh, to keep them from being God's people. So they get up in the next morning and they consecrated themselves and they get ready and the Levites, do you know who the Levites were? They were priests, that's right. And they would do all the church work, all the tabernacle work, all the, all the kind of God stuff, like something like a pastor and an elder and a deacon and counselors and that, you know, they, they would kind of take leadership roles and lead the people. So they took the ark, which had things in the ark. It was a big box filled with manna that they had eaten during the wilderness for 40. Can you imagine eating like just bread and birds and drinking water for 40 years? Like that's all you got. No hamburgers. No cheeseburgers, no hot dogs, no pizza, just manna and bird and water. But they were happy because at least they didn't have to go get it because it came right to them. But they put some of those things in the ark and they did put Aaron's staff, which was this super cool staff that he used that had gotten flowers on it to show that he was a special leader chosen by God. That's all in the ark. So the Levites, they take it, it's on poles, and, and then they stick their toes into the river, and the river stops. How does a river like that stop? Does it just stop flowing? Well, it did, yeah. It was God, exactly. And the whole people, they walked across on dry ground. Not a grandma, not a grandpa, not a baby, not a little kid, nobody got their feet wet. 
I always wondered, though, if the water's piled up on the side, did anybody try to stick their toe in? I would have been tempted. Yeah, you would have. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I probably would have been tempted, too. But then they get to the other side, and on the other side, there's this big city, a city called Jericho. And Jericho had big walls. Can you see the city? They had all these big walls, and it was in a place that, you know, they would, they would live there, but they also had army people there, and they would protect the road there from people like Israel coming in. And, and they, were, they were waiting for Israel to come. They knew they were coming. So how do you, how do you beat a city like that? They don't have dynamite. So they can't do dynamite. They don't have big bulldozers or anything else. They can't do that. They didn't have any, like, big guns or anything else. So what do you think they had to do? Sure. They had to believe in God. And what was one of the things they had to do that God said they had to trust in? Be friends with them? Oh, no. I wish that would have worked, but, yeah, that didn't really work. That's right. They marched around the city for seven days, and then on the seventh day, they marched around how many times? Seven times. And then when they were done marching around the city, what, ha- what did they have to do? They blew their trumpets and they shouted. And what happened? The walls fell down. That's pretty amazing. So that's two amazing things already. The river stopped so that they could cross on dry ground. And now Jericho, the walls fell down and they could just mark, walk on in and say, this is now ours. Those are some pretty amazing things that had happened. So now we're going to look at some of the things that God has created, some of the amazing things that, that God does and Kind of those amazing things around us as well because God does things through us, but he does things around us as well. So I've got a picture up here of a monarch butterfly. How many of you have seen a monarch butterfly before? Yeah, they're pretty cool. Do you think they hang around all winter? No, no. Where do they go in the winter? Mexico. Mexico. Now, you look at a monarch butterfly, it it's fits on the palm of your hand, and are they pretty strong? No, you don't think so? Yeah? Well, they, they're strong enough to fly all the way to Mexico on their wings and then fly back the next spring. Those little butterflies can fly thousands and thousands of miles in all kinds of bad weather. And they know exactly where to go, and they know exactly where to come back. I think that is something pretty amazing that God has done that with a monarch butterfly. How many of you have been to Mexico before? I know some of you have. So did you fly? No. Yeah, you flew. That's right. How did you fly, though? On an airplane, that's right. So you flew too, but it wasn't quite the same as flying like a, like a butterfly. And I just look at monarch butterflies, and for me, I think, wow, God is so amazing. He is so wonderful. 
that he's able to create all these kind of creatures uh, around us. And he created everything. He created so many amazing creatures. The whole universe was created. So these were pictures that I've, I got. See, I love nature uh, shows and I love nature websites and, and that. And I love really strange creatures. So the one picture on your left, that's just at the bottom of a bay. And that comes, that's kind of in the Caribbean area there. And they took a picture of all the different plants and all that kind of stuff that's under the water. And what's the creature on the right hand side? Yeah? Sure. Uh, Zeeors. Oh, that's a pretty cool creature. I would never have thought up a creature like that. Well, that's pretty amazing. So, how about these? Uh, do you know what kind of. Uh, okay? Yep. One's a jellyfish. Yep. And the other? That's right. I'm surprised. Kudos on knowing what that fish is. So I look at those two creatures and I go, wow. Jellyfish, when I was in the Naval Reserve and I was sailing on a ship, we used to love, love catching jellyfish. And then we'd catch the jellyfish and then we would throw them on each other because then they kind of sting. And then they... So then, then they, they, our friends would have all these little marks on their, on their... But they were really cool and they were tough. They were strong because we would sometimes see a jellyfish that a boat had kind of come through and then they would get split in half and then they would just form two jellyfish out of it. And I went, whoa, God's amazing that way. So what animal is this? Okay, somebody in the back that hasn't answered yet. A rhino. That's a picture that I got to take when I was in Africa. And uh, now you see this picture and you go, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. Now we were in a car. We were in a strong car. Really strong sides and everything else. And the guide said, don't you dare get out of this car. Because you get out of this car, that rhino is going to come running after you. And I tell you, he can run faster than you can. And I went, no way. But he says, you're going to have to trust me on this one. But that is a powerful, powerful animal. But it looks kind of slow. But I just, we saw it, Derek and I, a friend of mine, we were on, on this trip together. And uh, we just said, wow, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. I got one more, I think I got one more picture here as well. Oh, uh, yeah. I love monkeys. We were in Nicaragua, and we were taking a boat ride, and they were showing us on Lake Managua, and all of a sudden, we're under this tree, and this monkey jumped right into the boat. And the people we were with went, bah! And one of the girls almost fell overboard. We caught her just in time. It was so cool. But it was amazing, you know, how they were able to climb around the boat and everything else. And then you see on the picture on the left there? He stole one of the girl's bags of chips. <laughs> yeah. But we were amazed. The monkeys were so cool and, and so, so amazing. We just, we just laughed and laughed and laughed. But it was really neat. We, so many different animals that God, has, uh, that God has created. And then there's some really funny animals. Yeah, I see. Uh, yeah. yeah. Platypus. Now, that has got to be one of the strangest, funniest animals I have ever seen. And just the name is kind of... How did Adam come up with the name platypus? I have no clue, but that is so, so cool. 
So God makes all kinds of amazing animals. So, and then there's, there's all these things. I love space. One day, I would love to go out to space. And I would love to go on a spaceship. I would love to travel to the moon. I would love to go out. And, and I love NASA. NASA has some amazing pictures. So this is the Andromeda Galaxy. Now, we look at that galaxy and go, oh, yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. But it is so far away. It would take us a 1,000 years to get there with the spaceships we have right now. And there's all kinds of planets around in that galaxy. And there's all kinds of suns. And, and I, wonder, I wonder if there's a planet out there that has trees and grass and, and, and water and everything else that one day, one day maybe we can visit. And then there's a really cool galaxy that's coming up. And I go, whoa. You know, it's, it's called the Whirlpool Galaxy. Two-faced Whirlpool Galaxy. And I go, and we can't even get there. But God, God made all this. And you wonder, why did he make so many different cool stuff? Stuff that we can only see with the biggest, the most powerful telescopes. I'm so glad we got all these new telescopes and that as well. It is so neat. And then I think there's one more, or maybe not. Oh, yeah. Do you know what that is? Okay. Yeah. In the back, yeah. Yeah, that's a Mars rover. And again, every time I see one of those and I go, oh, I just want to go one day. And I know that they're asking people if they can go, but it's only a one-way trip. And then you, they want you to build a, a dome there and everything else and learn how to live there. And I go, oh, but I'm married and I got a wife <laughs> and I got grandkids and they won't let me go. So, uh, so I got to kind of stay here, but I go, wow, what an adventure that would be. But God's made so many cool, amazing things. You know, in Isaiah 40, uh, the, the, the writer says, you know, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. And because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. What an amazing God. There's all these billions and trillions of stars and not one is missing. God knows every one of them. But he also knows every one of you, which is really, really cool. So what are the things you find amazing? Trees? Trees, trees are really cool. And we learned about hardwood and softwood trees yesterday. Yeah? Fish. I know, there's some really cool fish out there. The universe, I'll, I'll have to agree with that. People. People, okay. Who do you find amazing? Family and friends, Family and friends? that is really good. Animals. animals, are there any special animals you think super amazing? Platypus, yeah. Space, is there any kind, parts of space that you really like? Black holes. You know what? Rael can't be here this morning, but black holes are like his super favorite thing. God. And that's going to lead me right into the right next. It's almost like I gave you that answer or something. You see, there's one person in history that I find totally amazing. And that's Jesus. 
And when you think about Jesus, he did some really amazing things. He could heal people. He, he could heal people that nobody else could heal. There's a lady who was bleeding and nobody could heal her. And she spent all her money trying to find somebody to heal her. And, and then she decides one time just to touch Jesus' cloak, his coat. And she was healed. And you go, whoa. You know, there were lepers. And lepers, was, lepers had this skin disease. And nobody wanted to come near. And nobody wanted to touch him. And Jesus goes up and he touches a leper. And he says, you're healed. And all his leprosy was completely gone. There's a story of a, of a little boy, maybe about your age. And, and, and he would throw himself into the fire. Can you imagine? I know it was cold yesterday, but there was still no way we were throwing ourselves in a fire. But he would do that. And the disciples couldn't heal him. They couldn't get him to stop doing that. And, and Jesus came down and says, well, that kind can only be healed by prayer. But then Jesus healed him. And the Father was so, so happy. There are so many people that, that Jesus healed. And he even brought dead people back to life. There was his mother who was, she had only one son and her son died and she was going to the graveyard with, with her son to bury him and, and Jesus came up and saw that and he felt sorry for her and he raised her son from the dead. There's a synagogue guy named Jairus and his daughter, you know, was super sick and then she died and they said, oh, you know, don't even bother coming anymore and, and Jesus says, oh, she's just asleep and she came. And he healed her. He brought her back to life. His best friend, one of his best friends, Lazarus, died. And it took Jesus four days to get there. He'd been in the grave four days. And Jesus brought him back to life. That is so amazing, all the things that he could do. But you know what's even more amazing for me? We were talking about black spots. And some black spots, you know, they got all kinds of really cool colors in, there, in that. But we call sin like a black spot in our hearts and in our souls. And it's a, a black spot that we can't wash away. There is nothing that can wash it away except for... Okay, yeah, any of you guys, just shout it out. That's right. And Jesus does that by, by doing something really strange. He allows himself to be caught allows himself to be tortured, and and then he goes to the cross. And he hangs on a cross, and he dies on a cross. But God had said at the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned that that the punishment for sin was going to be death. And Jesus said, but I love you so much that I'll take your place. And I'll go to the cross, and on the cross I'll take all your sin, and I will wash you clean. Remember that word, consecrate? That's what that's kind of all about. It's about saying Jesus consecrates us. He washes us clean. And he sets us apart for his work, for his stuff. And that's, why we're trying, that's what we're trying to do as counselors. That's what we're trying to do as parents and as a church. To help you realize you know, what Jesus has done for you and who Jesus is calling you to be. So it's like you, know, you smelt when you came back from snow derby yesterday. Your mom's and... Probably your mom's made you take a shower or a bath. See, dad's kind of like the smell of firewood and fire camp smoke and everything else. But moms, for some reason, say, if you're going to go to church tomorrow morning, you can't smell that way. 
but, but you wash clean and now you don't smell like campfire anymore. You smell nice and clean. You know, you washed all that smell away. In the same way Jesus washes the smell of sin away from us and makes us smell really good so that his father goes, wow, you know, you are so amazing and I want you to be close to me. That takes an amazing person and that person is Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to end by saying, you know what? We live on a miniature dot in an immense galaxy that God has created. What an amazing God. And even on this planet, each one of us, we're only a small, small microscopic dot on this planet. Even though there's billions of us, each one of us individually are really small. And yet God knows each one of us by name. And he loves each one of you. And he cares so much about each one of you. He sees you and he watches you. He made you. And he says, you know what? I've given you all kinds of, I've, got, I've given you all kinds of gifts and I've got plans for you. And I'm going to do amazing things through you. Commit yourself to Jesus. That's what we're hoping that you'll do as, as counselors as we teach you about who Jesus is. Follow him. And you know what? We have no clue right now how many scientists or doctors or nurses or long-haul truckers or caregivers or teachers or janitors or artists or musicians or missionaries or farmers or mechanics or software and video uh, game creators or other amazing things will come from you, our cadre. So God's in the business of doing amazing things even in and through us. But the most amazing thing is, he says, I love you so much. You're all my children. And I want you to be part of my family. And Jesus says, welcome. Welcome to the family. That's pretty amazing too. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being such an amazing God and for the amazing things you did in Jesus. And and the amazing thing is you see us and you love us and you've made us part of your family. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being so amazing. And, Lord, we do ask that you do amazing things through us too, um, that the world will see and know you through who we are and through this amazing universe around us, that they will know that you are God. And, Lord, that through us they can get to know Jesus as well. So, Lord, bless us and use us to be a blessing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So now in response to... Uh